You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat this morning. It's my privilege to introduce to you our guest speaker today, uh, Paul Whittingstall. Paul, you can come and stand at a distance from me. Um, for a little while here, Paul comes to us um, from York Region. Paul is the uh, Great Commission Collective Canadian Director. I think that's the right title, right? Canadian Regional Director of the Great Commission Collective. So I've known Paul now for 10 years since we joined this Fellowship of Churches. And uh, Paul has always been uh, one of those guys I've looked up to, uh, partly because of his gray hair and his wisdom, partly because he's a fun guy. And uh, Paul brings uh, so much wisdom to us today, and we're looking forward to hearing from him. And he's going to actually help uh, guide the elders through this transition as well. So you're going to hear from the guy who's going to help as you you guys move forward as we move forward in our own collective ways. And so, Paul, glad you're here, Sue. Thanks for coming with him. I know you keep him on the straight and narrow. And so thanks for coming with him and being his supporter, but also his, uh, his helper. And uh, thanks for coming, Paul. I know you'll hear from the Lord today. Let's welcome him. Amen. Well, it is a uh, great privilege for me to be here, to be back. And uh, I was given instructions, don't go to the school because no one will be there. And uh, so I got that right, got to the right place at the right time. And, uh, but the weirdness of this day, um, just with what's going on around us, you know, I normally would like give him a hug and fist pumps and all the rest. And, you know, those things aren't even a possibility. So it's a different day. But here's the, the cool thing. The, uh, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the work of the church will not be stopped. And uh, as a matter of fact, God has given opportunities uh, through COVID where people are watching church who've never watched before. People have heard the gospel who maybe have never heard the gospel before. And that's true in your church. That's true in lots of different churches where uh, the proclamation of word of God is going out and moving forward. And uh, I'm so thankful for this church. I think of uh, <clears throat> Pastor Daryl and uh, Ruth and their faithfulness in uh, seeing this church planted along with the elders and a core of people who almost 10 years ago uh, stepped out by faith. And, you know, if God's going to do something, God's got to do it. And God has done something. God has done a good work. And, but here's the reality. In a time of transition, God's not stopping. God will still be faithful. He will still build his church in his way and for his glory. And, uh, and so I'm excited about that. So as the uh, Canadian Regional Director for the GCC, uh, one of the things that we do, we're really about planting churches, strengthening leaders. That's kind of the two things that we talk about. Well, assisting churches as they go through transitions comes under that strengthening leaders part. And so it's a privilege for me to serve uh, with your elders, um, to help them in the process, to give a set of eyes from the outside. I want you to hear this very clearly. A GCC doesn't come and, okay, we want a seat at your table and a vote at what goes on. This is an autonomous local church, but the elders have invited me, us, to come and support and encourage however we can um, as you move forward through uh, these next days. And uh, I don't believe there'll be easy days, but God never promised promised us easy days. As a matter of fact, we've been promised in Scripture over and over and over again that there will be trials, um, but God's promised he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us, and he will build his church, and uh, he's going to do that, and I rejoice in that, praying very much for uh, Pastor Daryl and Ruth, and again, so thankful for them, 
and uh, for the elders um, as they seek to continue to lead and serve for uh, Brian and Tim and Dave, that the Lord would guide them and direct them. You need to be praying for all of these people, that the name of Jesus Christ would be lifted up, that God would be glorified. So, all right, get your Bibles out and open them up to the book of Jonah. Um, when I was asked if I would come, I was assigned Jonah. Um, I realized Obadiah kind of got, you know, sidestepped last week, and, um, but that was for good purpose. And, but I was already working on Jonah, so it was like Jonah or nothing for me. And uh, nobody suggested I needed to go back to Obadiah. I was just thankful they gave me a book that I could pronounce, right? I, nobody said, yeah, we want you to preach on Habakkuk. See, that could split the church. Because some people are like, well, Habakkuk or Habakkuk? I, I don't even know. Um, and so they gave me a book that you really can't mess up the name of the guy. And his name was uh, Jonah. And uh, you'll find that um, in the Minor Prophets, the fifth Minor Prophet, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. And uh, this is a great book. It's a great story. Um, it's the fifth of the Minor Prophets. Uh, the book of Jonah is a prophetic narrative um, it's designed to teach us some lessons, and, but it's a story that's being told, and there's prophecy that's in it, and as uh, Jonah goes to the city, um, he prophesies that if they don't uh, deal with what they need to deal with, God's going to judge them, but there's New Testament implications in the book of Jonah as well, and uh, it's written around 781 B.C., um, the fall of the north, if you know your uh, church history, your, your Christian Excuse me. If you know your Bible history, you'll know that the uh, kingdom was divided into two parts and the north uh, fell in, in 722. So this is before this, but it was actually the Assyrians that were going to come in, Nineveh, part of that, and be part of that judgment um, on God's people in 722, just about 60 years um, later. Um, this book happens about 100 years before the book of Nahum. Now, why is that important? Because in the book of Jonah, the people of Nineveh repent, but it doesn't continue. And a hundred years later, Nahum is going to come as a prophet and bring the judgment on um, these very same people. The book is written, I believe, by Jonah. Um, he alone would know the facts that we're going to see here, um, although the, it's not ascribed to him, and it's written in the third person. Um, you will see as we go along uh, just what an amazing book it is. So I want to dive into the book and kind of give you an overview of it in a second, but what's the purpose of this book? Um, there's a number of them, I believe. The first purpose of this book is to uh, show the sovereignty of God. Uh, God is in control, and so embrace that reality. I'm going to think about your church. Um, God is in control, so embrace that reality. He is a sovereign God. God is in control over COVID-19, so embrace that reality. I loved in that testimony the reality that at the end of the day, we don't live for these days. We live for the kingdom that is to come, but God is in control of that. Embrace it. Here's the second thing. His love for mankind is everywhere. Um, it wasn't just the people of God. Jonah is sent to a task that he really doesn't want to do with a group of people that he really doesn't want to be engaged in, and yet uh, God's love for mankind everywhere. Uh, here's the third thing. Um, God's ways will not be stopped. God's ways will not be stopped. I remember an old pastor 
I'm an old pastor now, but he was older than I am even now. Uh, he was talking about the book of Jonah, and he said it like this. God said, go. Jonah said, no. And God said, oh? See how that works out for you, right? So I'm going to give you another way you can remember parts of this book. But God's ways will not be stopped. Um, the book is penetrating. It's a penetrating look at the heart of God, the heart of Jonah, and at our own hearts as we respond to the things that God, he calls us to. And so uh, let me give you just a, a quick overview of the book. And uh, there are basically three major locations that happen. Um, Joppa is the uh, city that Jonah, is, is, he moves down to before he jumps on a, a boat and heads off towards Tarshish. When God calls him to go to Tarshish, uh, to Nineveh, he says, I'm not doing that. He gets on a boat and heads as far to the west as probably the known world had at that point. He's going two to 3,000 kilometers west when God's called him to go maybe 700 kilometers east uh, to the city of Nineveh. And so here's what happens. Jonah, prophet of God, a, a man who loved the Lord, who he's called by God to do a difficult task. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go and preach to Nineveh. And uh, he says, I'm not doing it. Um, and he jumps on a ship and he heads towards Tarshish and the storm comes and uh, Jonah's down asleep in the bottom of the ship. We'll see that as we go through the text in a few minutes. And uh, the sailors are rowing. They're trying to save their lives. They all believe they're going to die. And eventually they take Jonah and they throw him overboard. God has prepared a great fish whale probably, but a great fish to swallow Jonah. Uh, Jonah is swallowed by the whale. He is in the belly of the whale for three days. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Eventually, he comes to his senses. He cries out to God, and the whale throws him up on the beach. Um, he heads off to Nineveh. God calls him again, go to Nineveh. And so he heads out to Nineveh. He preaches a message of repentance, and the people repent. And then Jonah gets upset. And then he goes out, and God grows a plant over him, and the sun comes and takes down the plant. And it's interesting, the book of Jonah um, ends with, uh, with these words. And should, I not, should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left hand, and also much cattle? And so we're left with kind of a question at the end, like what happened with Jonah in all of this? And uh, so that's a little bit just of the, the way the story goes. Now, when I was in Bible college, I had to do an outline of the book of Jonah. Uh, that's not the outline I'm using today. I came up with four J words that just help me always understand what the book of Jonah is. And so a chapter one of the book of Jonah is Jonah on a journey. Um, uh, chapter two of Jonah is Jonah in a jam. Uh, the the uh, next chapter, chapter three, is Jonah on the job. And then the last chapter, sadly, but truthfully, and maybe so often in our lives, Jonah no joy. And uh, so if you can take those words and they can be helpful to you, uh, then praise the Lord. But Jonah basically happens in four scenes. And that's what I want us to take a look at today. What are the four scenes that we find in this book? Scene one is when we run from God, he corrects our bad and sinful choices. 
When we run from God, he corrects our bad and sinful choices. Jonah uh, chapter 1 and verse 1 says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Um, it wasn't that he was reading in Deuteronomy and found in the, in, in the law. This, God spoke to him. And uh, I don't want to take a minute about that today because some people say, you know, God spoke to me. God spoke to me. God told me to do this, right? So let me just say this. You can always judge whether God has told you to do something by taking it and putting it up against what God's word says. God will never ask you or never tell you to do something that goes against his word. But God does work. God does work in dreams. God does work in someone coming to you and saying something to you. And all of a sudden, it just triggers some things for you. And it's like, man, it all makes sense now for me. And, uh, and so God comes to Jonah, and uh, he speaks to him. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. And so you meet people who goes, well, God told me that I'm supposed to marry this person. Are you a follower of Christ? Yes, I am. Are they a follower of Christ? No, they're not. Well, then God didn't tell you that. Uh, that might have been the pizza you ate last night. That might have been not enough sleep. I don't know what it was, but that wasn't God telling you to do something like that. Uh, God told me to start a business and do that business in conjunction with a non-believer. And we're going to be partners together. Did God tell you that? No, God didn't tell you that. It might seem like a good idea at the time, but being unequally yoked together, whether it's in marriage or in a business relationship. God told me that it's okay for me to have sex before marriage because we're going to get married at some point anyways. No, he didn't tell you that because his word is clear on those things. God will never tell you to do something that goes against what his word says. But God speaks to Jonah, and he calls him out and gives him a job to do. Look at uh, uh, verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Go to Nineveh, cry out against that great city, because their evil is come before me. And so God is sending him to send a message, a message of repentance to the people in Nineveh. Now, why was that a big problem? Well, it was a big problem because Israel, the people of Israel, hated the people in Nineveh. They were the enemy. And so God is telling Jonah, I want you to go into the enemy's camp. I want you to go to their land. I want you to preach a message of repentance to them. And there's hatred. He's like, there's no way I'm doing that. There's no way I'm going to be that guy who goes and preaches that message. I would imagine, because it's a known enemy, it's not only hatred, but it's fear. Are you kidding me, Lord? You want me to go and do that difficult thing? Don't you understand? I won't be there 10 minutes, and somebody's going to snuff me out. And so there was hatred. There was fear. There was pride. God, if I go and do that difficult thing, if I go to that land, if I go to the enemy, how am I ever going to explain it to my family? How am I ever going to explain it to my friends? Hey, Jonah, Jonah, where are you going? I'm going to Nineveh. What are you going to do? I'm going to preach repentance to them. Are you kidding? 
What God called him to do, what God asked him to do was a very hard and a difficult thing. And he was hatred, fear, pride. Then the bottom line was, God, I just don't want to do it. I just don't even want to do it. Maybe there's something in your life today where you believe God's called you to do something. And maybe some of those are your responses. Reach out to those kind of people. Help, help that kind of a situation. Or what will my friends think of me? Um, God, I just, I just don't want to do it. Verses 3 to 6 says, but Jonah. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into, into it uh, to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. And when the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and he lay down and was asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Lots of people have noticed that there are four times the word down happens. He goes down to Joppa. He's going down, 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 down. God's called him to serve, and Jonah's moving downward. He's moving away from God in everything that he is striving to do. He doesn't even realize it yet, but his life is a spiritual disaster. And, uh, and ungodly people, they respond, they, they uh, try and save the ship, they throw off all the extra stuff they can, and then they cast lots, they don't know what else to do, and uh, the, the world responds like the world would respond, and like, how are we going to save ourselves? And eventually the captain goes down, and he cries out to Jonah, going, what are you doing? Um, look at verse 9, this really struck me. And he said to them, so after the captain comes to him, and uh, Actually, ask some questions. Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? And look what he says. And he said, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. I read those uh, verses, and I said, really? You fear the Lord? God called you to go to Nineveh. You're on a ship going in a different direction, and yet you're trying to tell these people that you fear the Lord. Uh, in some intellectual way, he did. He knew what he was supposed to do. He knew who God was, but he didn't fear God enough to go to Nineveh instead of going to Tarshish. And so he's on this boat. He's heading in the wrong direction. And I noticed this um, as I looked at it, and I go, um, his testimony is ruined. His testimony is ruined. Um, this is supposed to be a man of God called to serve the Lord, and yet by the very things that he says and the very things he's done, he's ruined his testimony. Is that your story? Can that be my story? A God calls us to do something, but by the very things we do, by the very way we act, we ruin the very testimony that God has given to us, the hypocrisy in it. He had a right theology. Now look what he says. He goes, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. Right answer. The God of heaven. Right answer. 
who made the sea and the dry land? Right answer, except everything he's doing is a contradiction to what he's saying. Well, the chapter goes on and he says, um, in verse, uh, verse 12, he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea and then the sea will quiet down for you for I know it is because of me that you, that this great tempest has come upon you. And so they take him and they throw him into the sea. And uh, verse 17 says this, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and uh, three nights. Um, the fish is, an, is a miracle story. Um, could a, is a fish big enough to swallow a man? Yep. Uh, a, a giant whale going after plankton with its mouth wide open could gulp down a person. And the, the reality of this is by faith, it's a miracle that God does. No different than the Red Sea being parted. No different than uh, a virgin giving birth to the Lord Jesus Christ. No different than the resurrection. The miracles that God has done. And I believe God literally does a miracle here. Um, what troubles me in this verse is not that a man can be swallowed by a fish or survive for three days. What troubles me in this verse is that it took Jonah three days to come to his senses. But then I wonder how many times has God spoken to me? God put me in a place where I need to understand and I should understand and yet I resist and I wait and three days. How bitter do you have to be to be that disappointed? Seaweed around your neck, half digested fish you're swimming in and yet it takes you three days. And yet maybe there's something in your life where God's called you and you're wallowing around in your self-pity or you're wallowing around in your I don't want to do it or you're wallowing around in your and your three days has long ago come and gone and yet you still haven't responded to what God has called you to do where he's promised he won't leave you, he will care for you. And uh, how bitter would I have to be in my disobedience? Well, that's scene one. We've got Jonah running from God. And in scene two, we see, um, we see this. When we return to God, he gives us a new beginning. When we return to God, he gives us a new beginning. Look, chapter two and verse one. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Notice that God doesn't deliver him until Jonah comes to the end of his rope and he cries out to God. And, and if you're looking for God, God, you need, to, you need to do this for me before I know I can go. No, no, you have to, it's like Peter, you had to step out of the boat before you realized you could walk on the water. And, and same thing with Jonah. God doesn't deliver him until he comes to his senses and he cries out to God and uh, says, I called to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. And so we have him there crying out to the Lord and seeking the Lord. And uh, look down in verse 6. It says here, um, at the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit. 
oh my Lord. There was one more downward there, right? I was down, like, I felt like I was in hell. And I called out to you, God, and you lifted me out of the pit. What a what an awesome God we serve. What a gracious God we serve. Like this guy, like he blew it so bad. And yet God's still there. God is still faithful. God is still working. Um, he gives him a new beginning. Um, I, I love that in the middle of that words, that verse is the words, yet you. In spite of all that I have done, God, yet you. Hey, is that your story? That's my story. Certainly my story before I came to Christ. I was just a kid when I trusted Christ. But, but there's that here I am in my own ways, doing my own thing, yet you. Um, as a grown adult, sometimes walking in my own path, trying to do things in my own strength, yet you. You have some great yet you stories in your life and you need to remember those as God has been working and what he has done when you've come to him in brokenness or in repentance or you've come to him and just rejoicing in what God has done and you, you take note and of all the things and God's favor upon you and there's lots of yet you's and we need to have those in our lives when, when we are walking away from God, when we are not doing what God has called us to do, yet you, yet you. And so Jonah, he cries out to God, and he says, Yet you, Lord, you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. New perspective here. Um, for those who, who pay regard to vain idols, for, forsake their hope of steadfast love. Here it is. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I, I, you, excuse me. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah up on dry land. So he gets a new perspective. He cries out to the Lord. Um, and then this fish just throws him up on the beach. And, uh, but he has a new beginning. He has a new opportunity and that we see in chapter 3, we see this scene. When I serve God, <clears throat> excuse me, when I serve God, he pours out his blessing. When I serve God, he pours out his blessing. Now, it's interesting, in, in Jonah's life, um, it was obvious, it was seen, it was abundant, it was, we don't always see what God is doing. We don't always understand and know what God is doing. Um, lots of times things happen in our lives and it's down the road somewhere that, that you're gonna tell the story to someone. They'll go, I never knew that happened. I never knew that I was a part of that. But as we are faithful to God, he pours out his blessing. This is not a message on name it and claim it. This is not a, you know, you did this for God and he's gonna give you a three-car garage and a pool in the backyard. And he's, It's not what this is about. This is about God's pouring his blessing out in your life, in, in the ministries and the things that we're called to do. And when, when Jonah comes to his senses and cries out to the Lord, God pours out his blessing. Are you thankful that you are a, God, a, a, a servant to the God of the second chance? Are you thankful that you serve a God who didn't write you off after 70 times seven. That's so far in the rear view mirror for me. Um, and yet he is still faithful. 
And so here's this guy who basically everything he's done so far, he's done wrong except coming to his senses and crying out to God. And here's God, the God of the second chance. See, God doesn't put people on the shelf. God doesn't put people on the bench and there's nowhere for them now to serve. You might serve in different ways. You might do different things, but, but God still uses us. And so God brings Jonah to this place where he's going to use him. Verses one and two again of chapter three. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Okay, Jonah, I came to you the first time and you got on a ship and you went the wrong way. I'm coming to you a second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So what changed? Uh, the message didn't change. The location didn't change. Uh, the need didn't change. Did Jonah's heart change? I think for a period of time, his heart changed. We're going to see that struggle even in his own life. But, but there's this change that happens to him, and now he's ready to go. And so you have to kind of picture this. Um, there he is laying on this beach, covered in who knows what. Smells like who knows what. And he doesn't get to go home and have a shower. It's like, get, over, get up and go to Nineveh. I, I trust somewhere on that journey, because it would have been hundreds of kilometers, that, that he got cleaned up. Um, but would there have been ramifications of being inside a, a fish for three days? Would your skin be kind of messed up? Is that why the sun was such a hard thing in chapter four? I don't know, but here he is laying on the beach and he cries out to God and he's ready to go. Um, my wife was involved in a, a motor vehicle accident a number of years ago. And I remember when she was uh, laying in the hospital bed, uh, she said these words. She said, I'm not sure what the Lord is trying to teach me, but I want to learn it the first time. I'm not sure what the Lord is trying to teach me, but I want to learn it the first time. Jonah's laying on the beach, and the word of the Lord comes to him, and he realizes like his plan the first time didn't work out so well. I don't know what the Lord's trying to teach me, but I want to learn that lesson this time. And so his pride and hatred and fear, all those things I'm sure were still going through his mind. But now he's come to the place of understanding he needs to fear the Lord. This God he talked about, this God he talked about, his ways are not going to be thwarted. His ways are not going to be stopped. What God is going to do, God is going to do. So you'd better get on his plan. And, uh, and so he gets up and he obeys. In uh, verse 3 it says... Um, so Jonah rose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Nineveh was an exceeding great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days and, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people believed God and they called for a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them uh, to the least of them. And so we see Jonah obeying. Based on what happens in, 20, in, in chapter 4, I'm not sure how much his heart was really in it, but he just realized, I don't want to be back over there again. And so he goes and he does it. Was he, was he willing or was he reluctant? Either way, he obeys. 
Was he afraid of what might happen? Either way, he obeyed. Um, I don't think his heart was fully in this thing, but he knew that he was called by God to do this thing. And so he goes and he cries out in the city of Nineveh that they need to repent. They need to repent. I don't know if I told this story in your church before, but when I was a camp counselor back decades and decades ago, I had a kid in my cabin who was the biggest pain in the neck that I had ever experienced in my life. And uh, to my shame, um, I presented the gospel in our cabin like we did to everybody else. But if that kid didn't come to know Christ, I would have been okay with that. Um, but I did what God called me to do. And on the last night, he said, uh, I want to I trust Jesus Christ. See, that's the great part of the story. Here's the shame part of the story. I sent him to somebody else. Now, fortunately, God gave me the brains to do that. Um, but I was so, I, this kid just, you got that person in your life. If they never come to Jesus, I would be okay with that. And uh, he went and talked to the camp pastor, and the camp pastor uh, led him to Christ. And uh, I look back, I'm so thankful that God at least gave me the brain power to send him to somebody else. Um, but sometimes we serve reluctantly. But we serve, and God works in spite of us, instead of through us. Um, he goes, he preaches. It's a simple, simple message. You see it in verse 4 and 5. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he crawled out yet 40 days, and the people of Nineveh believed God. And it was just a message of, uh, you need to repent. Uh, you need to repent. That's what he preaches, a simple truth. Um, you have to imagine, this guy shows up in your city, stinky, dirty, the enemy, and he's crying out, repent, repent, repent. And God does a work in your heart, and you repent. Um, look at verses um, 8 and, and 9 of chapter 3. It says, um, but let man and beast be covered uh, with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish and when God saw what they did, how they turned from the evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. They repented, and God relented. They turned. They went in a different direction. You know, in, in your life and in my life, we struggle with areas of sin in our life, and, and we know this thing of repentance. We know, I'm going this way, I'm going this way, I need, to, I need to turn and I need to go in this way, right? Well, that's what repentance is. Repentance is a, a turning, it's a change of direction, but it's also a change of heart. If you don't change your heart, your repentance can't last. It never does. It lasts for a little while. You might not look at porn for a week or two. You might not cheat on your taxes for a year. You might not lie. You might not, whatever it is. But if you don't change your heart about those things, that repentance will not last. So hey, church, whether you're in the room or whether you're watching today, what's God put before you that you need to turn from? 
What do you need to turn from? Not just, I'm going this way, I need to try harder and I'll go this way. But I want to change my heart about these things. I want to believe about these things, what God believes about these things. And when the people of Nineveh got that in line, they repented and then God relented and he did not, he did not judge them. That's the third thing. When I serve God, he pours out his blessing and, and he saw it. Um, and they repented. Do you remember the day when you trusted Christ? When, when you were going in this direction and you repented, you, you turned and you're going to move in a new direction. You had a change of heart, that heart that said, I can do what I want. I can get what I want. I can have what I want. And you realize that all of that's going to lead to destruction. And you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone and you turned and you repented. And there was a change in your heart. God help us to allow that to happen in every part of our lives. That when you wake up in the morning, you remember the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you can work with a changed heart to live for his honor and for his glory. That's why Christ came. He came so that we could have life and we could have it abundant. He came so that we could set aside the sin that, that overwhelmed us and kept us from him. And he brought us to a place of understanding and willingness and desire to turn and trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. And maybe God's calling you to that today. That I've got to stop being on my own plan. I've got to stop being on the Jonah plan. I've got to stop being on the, I'm going to do it my way, God. I don't care what you think. God, God's not going to let you go. And they relented, I mean, they repented, and, and God relents, and there's this revival that happens in Nineveh, and you would think the book would end here, and they lived happily ever after. But wait, it doesn't. There's another whole chapter that goes on, and it's scene four, and it says, when my heart, when my heart is bitter, God doesn't fail. When my heart is bitter, God doesn't fail. Look at, look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 4. So the city repents. People turn to the Lord. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. You don't want to be at that place in your life where God is working and you can see it and you are displeased with what God is doing, his hatred for them, his inability to go home and explain what was going on, it's still oozing up in his life. It's still there for him. That's why I'm not sure even in his motive in going was, was all that great. The text doesn't really say. But the reality is he goes, he does what God says, God does a work, and then chapter four, yeah, God, I'm pretty ticked off. But it displeased Jonah. Not just it displeased him, it displeased him exceedingly. Um, not only that, it says he was angry. Um, verse 2, he says, and he prayed to the Lord and said, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? So it's a kind of a, I told you so, God. I knew if I went 
they would repent, they would turn, you would relent, and, and the people would be, would be saved, and, and, and. Um, I think it's good to be honest when we cry out to God. And I'm glad that he did that because the Lord now is going to use that to work in his life. And maybe that's where you are a little bit today. Maybe you're feeling a little bit angry at God, a little bit bitter at God. And, and Jonah cries out to God. He says, I'm ticked off. I am angry. Um, oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew, I knew, God, I knew that you are gracious and you are merciful and you are slow to anger and you are abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. See, God, I knew, I knew your character, God. I knew, I knew what you would do. Can you imagine being in that place where God works? People get turned around and you're like, I knew God. I knew you would mess this up. I knew God. I am so thankful that I was not God on that day because I'd have snuffed that sucker out in like one second. <laughs> and then I realized, maybe I'm that sucker. Maybe I'm that guy. Maybe sometimes in my life, I don't like the way God's working. I don't like how he's doing things and I, I, would, I maybe wouldn't cry out to him in the same way, but in my heart, that's really what I'm feeling. Um, therefore now, O oh Lord, take my life. For it's better for me to die than to live. Just kill me, God. Just kill me. I can't explain what happened, God. There's no way I can go home and explain what happened. So God, just, just kill me. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Now, I would think that as you just realize what you just said, and you get asked that question, the answer is like, oh my goodness, what did I just say to the Lord? Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat at the east side of the city and made a booth for himself there and he sat under it in the shade till, um, till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. And so Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant, God's provision, but when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it's better than I die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? See, first of all, God says, like, do you do well to be angry for what I did in Nineveh? And now God is like, do you do well to be angry at this plant? 
God is pouring his grace out on him when he doesn't deserve it. And the Lord said this, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left hand, and also much cattle. And that's it. And the book ends. Like, how crazy is that? That's that little project I had to do for school. Um, we were asked the question, um, did Jonah ever get it figured out? Did he ever repent? Or did he just live in his misery for the rest of his life? Um, I got to use a little sanctified imagination here because God's word doesn't say. But I do believe that Jonah wrote the book. I do believe the reason he wrote the book was to tell his story. And I believe Jonah did get it right. I believe he did come to understanding. And that's why he wrote the book. So that we could understand the pain and the struggle and the hurt and all the rest that he went through. And yet, and yet God worked and God was faithful and God blessed. This book is um, the book of Jonah. Some people think it's just a, a story. Um, I don't believe it's just a story. There's a, a text in Kings that talks about Jonah. He was a real person. Um, you will notice, um, if you uh, study your scriptures, you will notice that um, in, the, in the New Testament, in Matthew um, chapter 12, um, as soon as I find Matthew, I'm going to go there for you, but in Matthew... Um, Chapter 12 and uh, verse 40 and 41. Uh, this story of Jonah is tied to Jesus Christ. Um, actually, in verse 38, then some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered him, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. And he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with the generations and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And so this picture of Jesus Christ, obviously Jesus is not Jonah, it's not disobedience, it's, but it's this picture of what Christ has done. It's a type of Christ. Jonah brought a message of truth and repentance and salvation. And Christ came so that we might have life and we might have it abundantly. He brought the truth and repentance and salvation. There's salvation in no other name. It's only through the name of Jesus Christ by which we are saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Well, so what? So I like to finish a message because it helps me to kind of bring some things to closure, to, to think about. This is a, a great story, but it's more than a story. It's God's word. It's given to us so that it can have its, its work in our lives and accomplish what it needs to accomplish in our lives. Those words of my wife after her accident, I'm not sure what God is teaching me, but I want to learn it the first time. Why? Because she didn't want to go through that again, right? 
And Jonah kind of learned that. I don't want to go through that going to Tarshish thing again. I don't want to go through the, 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 uh, the belly of the whale again. I don't want to go through the judgment of God again. I, I need to learn this the first time. Um, well, so what? Here's a few so what's for me, maybe for you. God's desires will be accomplished. What God desires to do in your heart, in your life, it will be accomplished. So get on board with what God is desiring to do. What's God calling you to do? Get on board with that. His way, it will be accomplished. What has God called you to do that you're ignoring or rebelling against? What is it that you already know this is what God wants me to do? And you're heading to Tarshish. How are you like Jonah? Will you submit to God and joyfully serve and come under? In Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to walk in those things. And you're like, well, yeah, but I'm too far gone. I'm too messed up. If God can use a Jonah, then God can use you. God's grace is poured out in Jonah's life. He gets what he doesn't deserve over and over again. And God's grace is poured out in your life. It's poured out in your salvation. It's poured out in his caring for you. God's grace, his grace is sufficient for you. And God's mercy was poured out in Jonah's life. Not only did he get what he didn't deserve. He didn't get what he did deserve. That's my life story. God's mercy poured out on me. As a result of that grace and that mercy that's talked about in the text, would we be people of God who faithfully come before him, respond to what he calls us to do, and live for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this man, Jonah. We thank you for the lessons that he learned. Lord, we don't have to look probably too far in our own lives and we see a little bit of Jonah in us as well. And so, Lord, I pray that you would make us people of God, ready to understand your ways will be your ways, your will will be your will, your ways will not be stopped, it will be accomplished. And God, you desire to do those things through us. So God, whether it's fear of family or fear of friends or whether there's a sense that what you're calling me to, God, is too hard for me, Lord. It is too hard for us, but it's not too hard for you. Give us obedient hearts to desire to serve you And Lord, as we come to the end of this book, it doesn't come with closure. I just believe Jonah came to the place of true repentance and that's why he told his story in the way he did. He didn't embellish it. He didn't hide it. He didn't uh, cover his sin. He just, he let it all be seen. Lord, your grace is enough. Your mercy is amazing. Work, Lord, in us for the glory of our Savior, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.